In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at Asperient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cami and Sandy. Hi, this is Cami. Emily Brower is our guest today on Money Tales. Growing up, Emily always wanted to fit in. She perceived herself as shy with an awkward haircut and clothes that never fit just right. Emily thought her value was in her weight. If she could just be skinny, she told herself, then people would see all she had to offer. As an adult, Emily married, became the mother of two children, and stopped teaching school because the income didn't pencil out against the cost of childcare. She and her husband were financially comfortable. Emily says that was holding them back. She wanted more. Emily wanted to get creative, generate wealth, and help other women lose weight and keep it off without feeling guilty for spending time and energy on themselves. All of that involved taking a courageous money leap. Today, Emily is a life coach, creator of Ditch the Diet, and host of Table for Two podcast. Emily helps women through private consultations and group coaching to set goals and achieve them while becoming proud of who they are. Hi, this is Sandy. Here are three key money tales conversation topics Emily hits on in this conversation. First, what it was like as an adult to ditch the money messages she was told as a child that didn't serve her. Some examples include money comes from hard work and long hours, save for a rainy day, and marry rich. Second, the importance of entrepreneurs knowing their value when pricing services. For Emily and many others, price was her block. She quickly learned that people readily spend money on what they value. And third, how when you believe in yourself enough to invest in yourself, the sky is the limit. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and please subscribe to Money Tales. Now, onto our conversation with Emily Brower. Hello, Money Tales listeners. This is Cami, and I'm here with my co-host, Sandy. Hey, Cami. Our guest today got me thinking about how having healthy money conversations are like financial fitness. Number of our guests in the past have referenced in or alluded to fitness and things you do in fitness that makes me think about these conversations. Two, I'm thinking of our Nika Anani and Julie Goodall referenced a couple of things that you're not trying to win the marathon or run the marathon from the start. It all starts from basic beginnings. And Nika talked about doing reps, repeating what you do over and over till you get comfortable and not being overwhelmed by all the options and things to know. There are a lot of things that we can do around our financial health that just like our physical health require us to think about our goals, put a plan together and commit to that plan and have an idea of what does success look like for us? What will it look like for us? I think that's a great idea and keep it small and chip away. 
Reminds me of Rabbi Steve Leader talking about chipping away on that marble to get to the beauty. It's just one little chip at a time. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce today and welcome our guest, Emily Brower. Welcome to Money Tales. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Would you please introduce yourself and provide two or three pivotal moments in your life that impacted who you are? My name's Emily, and I own Emily Brower Life Coaching. Growing up, my family did not have a lot of money. And truthfully, to this day, I still don't know how much money my grandparents or even my parents had that will eventually become inherited. No idea because nobody talks about it. But I do remember when I was a child, how much time my grandmother would spend with the newspaper looking at the stock market and she would just watch it and circle things and point to things. And some things would be really underlined, super dark. And I don't know what any of it meant, but she would spend hours with the newspaper and her coffee and she would just watch the stock market. How often she bought and sold? Again, no idea. But I remember thinking, if I want money, I really either need to learn the stock market or find somebody who knows it because she was a smart lady. And I think, no, there's nothing she would spend that much time on if there wasn't value in it. That was my first introduction to money and what it meant to have money and do something with it. Second, my dad was always an entrepreneur. He had a snowmobile business. I would watch him work day in and day out. Through doing that, he was supporting the family, but also missed a lot of family events. And he wasn't that active in the family, which I think again started to shape my money mindset. If I want to make money and have a business, I'm going to have to give up some family life. I'm going to have to give up some things I think I wanted to do as a mom and a wife. And then lastly, my maternal grandmother and my mother growing up, their biggest message to me was marry rich because you're going to want the financial freedom. You're going to want the security of it. And I watched them both be single moms, really work their tails off and still struggle with money. So I think all three of those experiences shaped me out of childhood to think money comes from a place of scarcity and hard work and long hours. And I had a real fear of it. Amazing introduction. You give us so many areas to dive into. Thank you for that. I want to hear about your dad's snowmobile business. I just was in Jackson Hole doing my second snowmobiling, but it was a blast. Yeah, I can even remember the smell of the shop. I spent so much time in that shop with him. I was not helpful at all. I would rearrange parts from all the little part boxes. Totally not helpful, but what am I going to do? I was like six or seven. He would just have so many people in and out of his door. They seemed to really look up to him. He was able to help them. He fixed their snowmobile. He'd sell a family a snowmobile so they could go out and have fun together. There was a lot of greatness that came from it. And I feel like a business owner is really somebody people look up to and they must know something about money. So I would watch him, but more from a place of the other two mindsets of spending so much time on the stock market Mary Rich, and then watching what he was doing never really set me up to think I could do that. It was more, watch this man do this, just be in awe. And I was. How were you internalizing these messages that you were receiving from your family beyond being afraid of money? How was it impacting the decisions you were making for yourself as you were growing up? This was actually really eye-opening. Because what I realized is my money mindset had carried over to my mindset in everything. I started to get close-fisted with my belief in myself, my ability to go out and do something outside of what I'd been told was possible. 
it became limiting. And it wasn't until I started listening to a podcast and heard some other woman say that she was making almost $40 million a year and she started her business. And I thought, wow. Not only did she not marry rich, she divorced her husband because she just wanted to, like she was just kind of done and wanted something different. And I'm like, okay, that's evidence then that there's something else possible here. And I clung to that and figured out how am I going to create my own evidence to reshape my money mindset? Because I know that's where my block is. When did this happen? Approximately. One year ago, I re-entered my new money mindset phase and I really shifted from money takes a lot of time, money takes a lot of knowledge, money takes a lot of this, that, and the other thing. No, money is a neutral circumstance. Money is a data point. What's my net worth right now? That's my result. And if I don't like it, then I have the power to change what I think, feel, and do to create something different. I don't need a system to follow. I don't need anything other than the mindset that will push me into action to change my result of money. Emily, that's amazing. Now, let's go back. Where were you? What was your first job? When I graduated from school, I went right from my undergrad to my master's program because I had the belief that I need all the education, all the certifications so I can really be worth something. I want to make money. So I started as an educator in elementary, and then I also was a preschool director. And at that time, I was really living paycheck to paycheck. I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. When I subtract the cost of childcare and gas and everything else I'm spending to go and do this job, this really doesn't make a lot of sense for me. So I became a stay-at-home mom, and I stayed home with my kids for four years. When they both entered public school full-time, I just had the thought that I really want to work but I don't want to go back to the grind. I want to believe something else is possible. And again, I was still listening to the right podcast. I feel like I was fueling myself with the right type of energy to go out and create something different. March of last year, I looked up the life coach school. I was like, this is what I need to do. I need to go and get certified in this because I have such a passion for teaching. And I know I want to keep teaching, but I don't want to keep teaching kids. I want to teach women how to go out and be badass women and not need rules to follow. And when I looked and I saw the cost was $21,000 to get certified, I paused. Like, whoa, are you sure you believe in yourself? Like, are you sure you shouldn't go marry rich? And I didn't sign up in March. I let that belief win. And then they advertised again in July. And at that point, I said to my husband, cut off my left leg and sell it. I need to do this. Like, I know I need to do this. And we need to figure out how do we pull the resources to make it happen. And that was a big leap of faith that I would do a hundred times over because it changed everything. Tell us more about that conversation. Were you and your husband talking a lot about money at that point? No, my husband had a totally different money experience. The beliefs I had about money as a child, I thought, wow, these really have limited me. And then I married my husband who does fine financially. His family is well off. He's well off. It pushed me into another mindset of we have enough money, which felt really relaxing and comfortable for a while until I realized this belief is holding us back because we're not trying to go out and get creative to see where else can we add value? Where else can we generate more wealth? How else can we contribute with the money we have? For him and I, it's been a conversation of, 
what do we want to do with this enough money that we have? Are we okay with it just being enough? Or do we want to see what we're capable of? So you guys had this heart to heart conversation. You said, I really want to do this coaching program. You enrolled. What did that feel like? It felt like puking, to be honest. (laughs) It's like, oh boy, we really did it. But at the same time, it felt like, yes, I have a man endorsing me now. Yes, come with me. Let's go this way because I know there's more opportunity for us and for other people and for our kids. And we just have to believe that this is the way to go. Tell us more about what the wealth is for. When you say you were limited in your mindset, you had the potential to make more. What is it for? Are you and your husband talking about that? That's probably going to be our next conversation is really solidifying what do we want to do with this income? Right now, to be honest, because we have our kids' college already taken care of, my main focus is how can I grow this business to spread this message to as many women as possible? Because I know there's value in it. Our thinking as a couple has shifted from not how much money can we make, how much fun can we have doing this and adding value to these women's lives that then ends up being money that we can reinvest and go out and do more of the same. It feels almost magic. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. I have a program for women who are just sick of dieting. They've lived all the diets, they've tried all the restrictions and all the rules, and they're really ready to just live their life and let their body fall to its natural weight by living a life that they love, being proud of themselves, stepping into their confidence. In that training to become a weight loss coach, I really could see how the scale provides us data once a week to say, is this result something we like? Did we think, feel, and do the things that earned this result or not? That allowed me to see your net worth is really just like your scale. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's a reflection of your actions. And if you don't like it, hey, guess what? You can change that. You did the program. You felt sick initially. Then you felt great because you were doing what you really wanted to do. You had the support of your husband on your side. How are you thinking about money as you emerged from the program and started this new business, which sounds very exciting? I came out of the program guns blazing, like I'm ready. And then I worked with a business coach who helped me with my pricing. And at first I was like, that's too much. Like this is too much money for what I'm giving them. Even though I know the value is there, I had a really hard time charging money. And that's when I realized my belief of we have enough money was holding me back. It wasn't putting me in a place to receive it and feel like I deserved it or I had earned it, something along those lines. When I first graduated from life coach school, we were encouraged to do a test drive, run your program for six weeks for free and get feedback from the public. What'd you like? What'd you not like? Great. I can run a free program all day. Sign me up. So I did. And it filled up right away, which I thought, this is interesting. Myself, I won't do something for free because I know if I don't have skin in the game, I'm probably going to push it to the back, forget about it, wait for another one. But that didn't happen with this. This was, I need to run my six-week program. I need to get the feedback. And then I need to run it again with a price. And so when we ran it again with a price, we ran it with a low price just to help ease me into receiving money, giving value, letting that tango happen between money and myself and the business. And now my rate is at a place where I feel confident in it. I'm comfortable sharing it. Frankly, more people have come to it. So it really was my own block, which is great. And why do you think you had that block? 
Growing up, I was very quiet and very introverted. And I always listened to the adults around me and took what they said and held it and never really did anything with it. When I first graduated life coach school and I saw all these other coaches going out and doing amazing things and realizing this is possible for me, I entered another phase of feeling like, am I overestimating my abilities a little bit? Because there's nobody else in my family that's done this and been this successful. I'm towing the line of, I might fail. And once I became comfortable with that and realizing that doesn't mean anything about your ability to keep trying, there's a 10% chance you'll succeed. I only need one of 10 chances to work. So try it. So it all started with a podcast. With a podcast on a walk to lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) In your bio, you write, the key to your success is in the decision to choose yourself. How do you think that translates when you think about money, financial success? I think about this all the time, especially when I think of new women coming and joining my program or single moms. Like I've seen single moms struggle financially. But I also now know through trying myself that when you can believe in yourself enough to invest in yourself, the sky is the limit. It's incredible what will come back to you if you're willing to put out there. Open your fist, let yourself go a little and see what comes back. I think being scarce with money is a good way to stay the same. And if we can just try with little steps or little challenges of putting money away or spending money. Growing up, I think the big message for me was save your money, save your pennies for a rainy day. And I wonder what would have changed if the message was spend, trust in yourself, take a chance on yourself, especially when you're younger, try, see what happens. Is this shifting the way that you're talking to your children about money? This has definitely started a conversation with my husband and I about what we give to our children. (laughs) Ooh, tell us more. (laughs) Yeah, I need to know this. We have very, very different ideas on what going to a store looks like. (laughs) So I go to a store and we're going for the list. And part of this is maybe how I was brought up. We go for the list and we stick to the list and that's it. And if it's not a holiday or a special occasion, we don't need to be wandering the toy aisles or anything like that. They go to the store with my husband and they come back with candy and maybe one toy or two toys. Mommy, I put the third one back. (laughs) Again, I think it's the mindset of we have enough money. Do we? Yes. However, do we want to operate in all areas of our life like we do? Or do we want to practice waiting, practice delayed gratification, knowing the money's there? That's a conversation in the works, (laughs) ever evolving. It sounds like you're bringing a lot of awareness and intention to the conversations to make sure you are jointly helping model for your children. Yeah, I think that's probably been the most common conversation lately in the household is what are we buying for the kids when? And is it necessary? Why are we doing it? Who's this serving? How old are your children? Seven and eight. Important years. I know that myself. I'm coming up on the heels of that with my kids. And these conversations are important in demonstrating your values, which it sounds like you and your husband are reconciling. That's what it is. It's an ongoing dialogue. It's merging the beliefs we both came into this with and figuring out what's going to work in our new family unit. You've got what you believed growing up. I've got what I believed and saw growing up. What pieces do we want to pull from that for the family we are raising? In your upbringing, you mentioned no one talked about money. 
I'm curious if now you are talking with your parents or anybody else who's still around about money. The truthful answer is not really. And I have played with that a little bit. Like I've shared some pricing on my programming with my mom and it is met with, do you think people will pay that? But I know it's not from a place of her not believing. I think it's from a place of, frankly, there's cheaper ways to lose weight. So if you outprice yourself, will people come to you? That's where I have to stay grounded in my current belief that there is money spent every day on things people find valuable. And I have something that I know people find valuable. And if I don't put it out there, nobody's going to spend money on it. You mentioned scarcity mindset and what you're talking about is less about spending, but people investing in themselves. Definitely. And believing that that's worth it. In the beginning, another hiccup I had with selling my program was I'm not really giving you anything to take home and hold. And there's nothing you really see that you're getting. It's a mindset shift. But once you get on to that and learn that tool and how you can use that in every area of your life, the value becomes, it's got like lights pointing right to it with <laughs> arrows. It's very <laughs> obvious. Oh, this was worth my time. In your coaching program, did you do a lot of training on mindset shifting? We do. I'm wondering if there are tips that you have based on studying it and doing it that would help our listeners. In terms of money, it's the same thought model that I would use with my clients, which is there's always a circumstance, which in this case would be money. And the circumstance is just whatever is true. What's the fact? Money is real. Money is a fact. 100 out of 100 people would agree money exists. And then the result is what is your net worth right now? Or what is your weekly paycheck? My clients and I would look through what are you thinking about money? What do you feel about money? And then what do you do from that feeling? Because that chunk is what's creating your result line. If you're thinking it's not guaranteed, that might instill a feeling of fear which might lead to actions of saving, not spending, indecision in purchases, and never really knowing how much you have. So not giving yourself any evidence that it's guaranteed, that it'll keep coming, that you know how to earn money, you know how to keep bringing money in. Whereas if you have a thought of money is easy, you might feel excited and that might lead you to get creative with how can I make more money? How can I create more programs? How can I host live events? How can I get merchandise out to people? You bring in more wealth with a different mindset. The mindset shifting is that idea I was thinking about in the intro around these small steps you take. And I like how you go through this process with your clients. You started with a fact, results, how you think about it, how you feel. And I think that's an important process. We do the same thing with the weight loss. Oftentimes people want to hurry to their result. I want to hurry to the size eight. Okay. But once you get there, you've still got the same mindset, remember? So what if we take our time getting there and rewire some things in your brain so that when you get there, it's sustainable. What's your next effort that you're going to do with your business? So it sounds like you coach. So that's one-on-one. -on -one. How are you going to scale Emily Brower live coaching? I've got a whole big plan. <laughs> Right now, I do offer one-on-one, -on -one, and I also offer a 12-week group track for people who want to start at a lower entrance point and test the waters and see what it's like. I also have a monthly membership that I'm trying to grow where we do a monthly topic of focus. 
I also have had husbands, dads reach out and be like, what is it you're doing? What happened to my wife? This is great. I'm tossing around the idea of ditch the diet for dudes, a male track as well. And we'll just see what happens. I'd like to have some live events. I'd like to do a 5K and a 10K with no time limit so people can just drop that fear of not being fast enough. I just want to get out and create as many platforms as I can for people to come and be who they authentically are. As you think about all those exciting initiatives, how are you defining success for yourself and your business? It's a feeling. It's almost a vibration I have in myself where if it lights me up, I just know I have to do that. I have to figure out a way to pay for it. And I have to believe that the ROI is there and I have to do it. It really is just listening to my inner voice, my inner Google voice telling me go this way. And when it screams U-turn, I listen to that too. Have you always listened to your intuition? No, I've always heard it but I've been very good at pushing it down with food or turning my attention to what my mother or my father have said and let that be my guiding light. This is new in the past year or two. I've found my voice and I won't turn it off is how I feel. We're so glad and you can feel it when you're talking to it. Thank you. How does it feel to be talking about money with us right now? Empowering. I couldn't tell you who I heard it from, but probably several people. If you want to make something of yourself, it's all in who you know. And I remember thinking, well, I'm screwed because I don't know anybody. I don't talk to anybody because I don't have enough confidence. And now there's so many things that I wish could be redone from childhood. But at the same time, it's given me so much to move forward with, to do with my kids and to share my own experiences with other women who have had similar experiences who don't want to talk about it because there's shame around it until someone else says something out loud. And then we can drop the shame with weight, same with money. I really appreciate you bringing up this idea not to have the regret for all the things you want to change. I just listened to a podcast with Dolly Parton. And she said that like, I don't regret anything because the mistakes, if that's what they're called, make me who I am. And I'm happy with who I am. Exactly through starting this business, my mom a couple of times has reached out and said, you know, I'm really sorry that I didn't show up for you differently. In true reflection, I really needed you to show up exactly how you did. And now I feel like I have this opportunity to show up for her in a different way and show her a different route she could take. And I think it's already started. Like she's got an online business she started to sell her art. It's incredible just watching that. My sister has started a business. Being here talking about it it just feels like empowering and trailblazing in a way right now for people who I know and who are close to me who are seeing, wait a minute, something else is possible here. And it's not because what I had growing up wasn't good enough. It's because I finally decided it's okay to be curious about what else can you create? Thinking of your grandmother, are you investing in stocks? Not yet, but it is on my vision board. It absolutely is to learn about that. I refuse to spend lots of time and energy on money. I know if I go out and have fun and create value, the money will come. What's your next money conversation going to be? And who's it going to be with? Most likely my husband. It's an ongoing conversation between him and I, where we're going, where we want to go next. What do we want to build and create for ourselves? Also women within my membership talking about this investment that they've made on themselves. And what do they notice so far? 
what's different for them? Would they spend this amount of money to just be given that feeling in a moment? Yes, they would. So now you've invested in yourself and you've spent this time on yourself. It propels them to go forward and take risks in other areas. Well, that worked. What else can I do? Emily, your energy, ideas, excitement are all contagious. Thank you for joining us on Money Tales and sharing so much of yourself with us. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Money Tales podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think would benefit from listening and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your ratings and reviews help more people find our podcast. If you're inspired to gain clarity and peace of mind about financial matters, don't hesitate to reach out to our team at Asperient. Go to asperient.com forward slash start a dialogue. Or you can email Sandy and me at podcasts at See you next time.